This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to The Real Reel, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. We're catching them at this really beautiful, pivotal moment in their lives where, you know, they really do want to get to know themselves better. They really do want to find their purpose. They really do you know, fill in the blank. So it's been, yeah, it's been really, really, really beautiful to see the growth because I know that it's not only just growth in numbers, but it's like increasing in impact. I think our show grew because we were really vulnerable and we would say the things that like, not everyone wants to say and not everyone wants to admit and not everyone wants to talk about. And if you wanna be different, you really have to be unafraid to be fully yourself. everybody and welcome to the Real Real Podcast. Today I am coming to you from the Big Apple, New York City, Manhattan, and I am just so in my feels here. Look, I'm very, very in my feels here. For those of you who don't know, I am obsessed with New York City. I lived here for just one year and that one year was amazing. I really love this city. I've been obsessed with the city forever and I'm back. And there's just something special about recording a podcast here. There's just something special about being here, but I'm trying to take advantage of it. I love recording here. I love recording with guests here. I love filming videos here, filming vlogs. So if you're not following me on other stuff, definitely be sure to do that if you like New York content. But I'm just I'm just very much in my feels. I'm super grateful to be here. And I haven't been back since I moved out, in, which was September 1st. So it's the longest I've gone without being here. It's almost been a full year. And I'm just in, like I said, in my feels. If you can hear any sirens behind me, it's just New York City. That's That's just how it is here. And it's kind of a beautiful sound. I know that sounds weird, but I'm not kidding when I hear like sirens in the background, if I'm listening to a podcast or if I'm watching a video and they're from New York City and they're, they got the like ambulance in the background. I'm like, that's music to my ears. That sounds super bad because obviously if the ambulance is, is on, it's probably not a good thing. That's not what I mean. I just mean that it makes me feel like I'm in New York, which is my favorite city. So don't take that out of context, please. <laughs> I, I'm not happy that the ambulance is going somewhere. It's just, it reminds me of New York. I should say like honking is a better representation of it, something not as morbid. So when I hear the sound of honking, it's music to my ears in the background. That's what I should say. Yeah, I think I think that's what I should say. Anyways, <laughs> this episode, I spoke with the host of Almost 30 Podcast, and you guys are going to love it. I already know they had really inspired me to finesse my morning routine. They've inspired me to, you know, have a really great morning routine. And you guys already know that I love my morning routine. It's like a very sacred part of my day, but being here in the city and being on vacation and out of, you know, my home, I have been so proud of myself for managing to keep my morning routine. I have been waking up, not checking my phone because you guys know I never check my phone in the morning. I always wait until I'm like ready to work to check my phone. And when I say that, I literally mean like I don't read my text messages. I don't go on Instagram. I definitely don't check my email. Like I don't do any of that. I don't go on TikTok, nothing. Really, I just use my phone to like listen to a podcast or to like play music. So and like use my gym app. Like that's pretty much it. Or maybe the maps app, you know, whatever I'm needing. But anyways, I have been keeping my morning routine while I've been here. So I've been waking up really early around 7 a.m. First thing I do is have a sip of water. Then I actually put on my workout clothes and I got class pass recently. So I just got class pass last week so that I could use the gym while I'm here because you guys know I'm not a member of a gym. I have a gym in my apartment back in Miami. So I used to be a member of Equinox, but I'm not about to pay that monthly membership anymore. I'm sorry, but that's just not in the cards for me right now. So I don't have a gym membership. So I just got a membership for class pass, like the most basic level. I think it's like not that much a month. I don't know. I got the cheapest one because I really wanted to do some classes here. And something about class pass that I love is that you can actually use your credits to go to the gym and it's like two credits. So it's literally nothing. So that might be a hack actually. 
if you don't want a gym membership, but you want access to a gym, ClassPass might be cheaper. So I've been going to Crunch Fitness while I'm here. And then I tried Solid Core with one of my ClassPass credits. And then my friend Jen, actually, she works at Rumble. So she invited me to a free Rumble class with her, which was super exciting. So I am so sore as we're recording this right now, but I come back home, I drink my coffee, and then I get ready, shower, get ready for the day. I've been wearing makeup every single day and like actually putting on a cute outfit, and then I start my day. So even when you're on vacation, I think it's possible to keep your routine, and I know that it's not possible for everyone, you know, to keep their fitness routine. They don't want to spend the money on um, a fitness membership, and I totally get that, but like if you want, you can literally just do like a Pilates session in your hotel room or your Airbnb, or like you can do a HIIT workout here and like do a YouTube video. Like it's very, very possible to do. Or I mean, if it's warm out wherever you are, you can go out to a park and do a workout. When I lived in New York City during quarantine, I would always go to the Hudson River Park and I would go and work out there. So, you know, you can get creative. But anyways, so that I I meant to say all that because I was like almost 30. We talked a lot about, you know, routines and the power of them. And I am just proud of myself that I'm keeping my routine because it is the most sacred part of my day. I'm I'm not even kidding. So anyways, I wanted to give you guys another little life update. I hope that you guys have been liking these little life updates in the beginning of my podcast. DM me so I can know if you like them or not, what you think, because I've been loving recording these longer, more intimate podcast intros. I feel like we're bonding more. I feel like we know each other more. And I'm really trying to, you know, work the branding of the podcast, make it a little bit better. I'm just super excited uh, to kind of up the branding of my podcast, make this more of a community. If there's anything you want to see that maybe you have some of your favorite podcasts and you want me to implement them here, let me know because I am open to suggestions. But little life update, I'm in NYC, as you know, um, I'm going to come back here around every, I said, four to six weeks. I feel like a lot of you are probably thinking, Natalie, why don't you just move back to New York City? And I'm not going to lie. I probably thought that myself at one point, but that's that's just not going to happen. I really do love living in Florida. And I've been telling people this, that I get FOMO while I'm currently in New York. So like while I'm here, I'm like, oh my God, I love being here. It's so amazing. And then when I'm not here, when I'm in Florida, I'm so happy there. And you know, just realistically with what I'm, where I'm at in my life, it doesn't make sense for me to be here. And also I'm in a long distance relationship. My boyfriend lives in Boston. I live in Miami and I guess this is going to be my exciting little announcement of this podcast intro, but Keon is moving to South Florida. I am so excited. He's actually moving in like a month or two, working out logistics, but he is moving to Florida and we are no longer going to be long distance. I am so excited for that. And also the podcast is finding out about this before literally anything else. I feel so comfortable on this mic. I'm just like spilling my guts, like (laughs) giving you the secrets before anyone else. But yeah, Keon's moving to Florida. So imagine if we've been long distance for three years, imagine that he moves down to South Florida And then I'm like, all right, I'm going back up north. I mean, we would break up. Like, he would break up with me, rightfully so. Like, it's just not going to happen. So I'm staying in South Florida, but coming back to New York every other month. Um, I was telling everyone here that I was meeting up with, I'm like, I'm coming back every four to six weeks, I would say. Let's Let's be conservative. Let's say every other month, but I'm taking a hiatus January, February, March, because you will not catch me in the cold here. You know, Christmas time is still cold, but it's magical. So I'll probably come back once, like November, December. And then, yeah, taking a break until my birthday in April because I hate the cold. And that's why I love Miami is that it's warm all year round. So my friends from New York will come to me in Miami <laughs> and Keon's friends will too. So I'm so excited that he's moving to Florida. Um, he, We're not living together. I know that's going to be a huge question, but we are not moving in together, but we're going to be super close. And I am so excited because we've literally been long distance for three years three freaking years. It's about time that we're in the same state, not even city, the same state. So I am pumped. I'm so excited. He'll be there in like a month or so, month or two. I'm just, I'm so excited. So I kind of want to have him back on the pod. If you guys want 
to have a little boyfriend episode, let me know because I, I really do love listening to my favorite podcasters episodes with their boyfriends. Even if I don't even know who their boyfriend is, or if I don't, even if I didn't know they were in a relationship, I just love watching those types of things and listening to those types of things. I know Michelle Reed actually just posted one with her husband and I loved it. I loved listening to it. So if you want Keon back on the podcast, he was on an episode a very long time ago, but if you want him back on, let me know and we'll make it happen. Anyways, I am just so excited. I'm so grateful and I'm on a high right now. If you can't tell in this intro, I'm not only in my favorite city in the world, but I just shared with you that my boyfriend of three years long distance is finally moving to my same state, um, to my same like South Florida. I mean, hello. So yeah, things are just, things are just going great. Anyways, today's episode, I am interviewing the host of Almost 30 Podcast. You most definitely know what Almost 30 Podcast is. Krista Williams and Lindsay Simic are two powerful women who you need to go follow immediately if you are not following them already. I mean, trust me, you need to. They actually both met at SoulCycle and they were both transitioning from their 20s to their 30s and working through some major life questions, which I'm 25 and I can relate. <laughs> I, can, I can definitely relate. They clicked over their deep conversations about spirituality, health, wellness, and purpose. And that led them to the creation of the Almost 30 podcast. Every single week, no matter where they were, these two incredible women would show up and share raw and vulnerable conversations with their audience. It didn't take long for their community of like-minded souls to grow, and now they facilitate a series of in-person and virtual events and continue to show up for the Almost 30 online community in every way. You know how I was talking about branding? Yeah, they're they're killing it. They have such a strong community, and that's like what I want for this podcast. I felt super grounded and calm speaking with them. And it was really special to speak not only about podcasting, but also about spirituality and finding your purpose. This is one of the conversations that I will never forget. And I am so grateful to have spent time with Krista and Lindsay. They really are as wonderful as they seem on their show. Like truly one of the nicest women I've ever met. And I'm so, so grateful that I had a chance to interview them. Today's episode is bringing on some serious feels we dive into building a podcast with intention, some helpful tips for new podcasters in the current podcast landscape, what it's like to develop a brand and a business with your best friend, spirituality, community, and purpose, and a lot more. So I'm so excited to get into this podcast and I know that you guys are going to like it. So if you do enjoy this episode, please be sure to go on uh, Apple Podcasts, leave this five stars, give me a kind review. I would really, really appreciate that. And we haven't done reviewer of the week lately. So I'm going to bring that back and I'm super excited because your reviews just make me so happy. So this comes from Erica and she says, awesome podcast. Natalie, the host of the Real Real Podcast, highlights all aspects of entrepreneurship and more in this can't miss podcast. The host and expert guests offer insightful advice and information that's helpful to anyone that listens. Thank you so much, Erica. Thank you for the five stars. Thank you for the love. I know it actually takes time out of you to go and write a review. It's not just as simple as leaving a comment. So just know that I really appreciate it. And I want to personally thank you. So if you enjoy this episode, and you want to give a review, give it five stars, leave a kind review and DM me so I can personally thank you. Anyways, I'm rambling, but I love doing these like little catch-ups with you. I'm so like brutally honest on these and I really do share my life with you on here. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. 
Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Ares tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Waze new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces inner pair split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Hi, Krista and Lindsay. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Oh my God, we're honored, honored to be here. Yeah, super excited to dig in. We're admiring the Miami vibe. You've got a a like beautiful background. It's just going to be the best. Thanks. Yeah, no, we were talking before the show started about Miami, New York, LA, moving all over. And I feel like we're all actually all like in a little triangle right now. LA, oh, New York, and Miami. So <laughs> we're all across the country. Yes. <laughs> coast to coast, baby. And before we get started into the questions, I wanted to start with a segment called Setting the Record Straight. So this is where I say some assumptions, some stereotypes, and then you'll let me know if they're true or false. So the first one is that growing a podcast in 2021 is really hard. <laughs> we're pausing because <laughs> we're pausing because it's like I always want to be like, hey, everyone, chase your dreams. Life is easy, but I personally, I think it is. I do. Totally. Yeah, I agree. It takes a lot of work. And just like with any like growing industry, there's more and more and more podcasts out there, you know? So Mm -hmm. no one is you, you, but it's a lot of work. And I think that the podcasting algorithm isn't the best. Like hundred percent, it's hard to discover new shows. I feel like, yeah, there's the functionality of Apple podcasts and Spotify is so bad. It's like, you don't, you go to this page, nothing's really organized. You don't really know what you're getting. There's millions and millions of podcasts. So the chance that your show is featured somewhere is hard. And then the searchability is really hard. Plus podcasts, it's like when you're committed, like people become really attached to certain podcasters and then it's a few hours to listen. So I do think it's really, really hard. And I know more and more people are starting to do it. It doesn't mean people shouldn't do it and people shouldn't like create a show, but I I actually think it's really hard. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think it's something worth doing. Like I love doing it, but you have to mentally know that it's not just like, Oh, you just record on a mic and edit and upload. Like so true. it's so much more than that. 
Yes, it's huge. We had to learn that the hard way for sure. Yeah. And the next one is that digital events are better than in-person events. We were on tour for like two years and in-person events were our bread and butter. It was just such a highlight to meet people in our community. And then when COVID hit, we were really forced to pivot in a lot of ways. And we had a new paradigm workshop series, which was kind of like our first go at like consistent digital events. And I have to say, like, it made me love the internet because I'm like, this is so cool that we can connect with people all over the world at one time, connect on things that we are either interested in, curious about, and really like listen to each other and feel deeply connected. So it's really Mm -hmm. hard to pick because I do love an in-person like hug and connection, but I have to give props to that virtual event connection that we've been able to, to make this past year. I don't know. I, I have to say in person, I think, because I just am like, so I lose a lot of my energy when I'm on zoom calls and I'm like trying to like push my, (laughs) push my energy towards making it feel like it's real but it's not. And you just get so tired at the end of the day because you're looking really hard at a screen and not an actual person. So I have to say that I think in person and, you know, when people go in person, it's like, there's so much more of an intention because you have to go out of your house. You have to get ready. You have to leave. You have to do all these things. So there's like just a deeper connection that you have because, you know, people went out of their way to come wherever you want to go. And the online events, it's kind of like, you can like send it in. You could like be online shopping you know, while you're at the event, you could kind of like do your thing. So I have to say in person, although now that everything's opening up, I'm like not fully ready Mm -hmm. for us to be fully open yet. I'm still liking being home a little bit more. So in-person events, just not, not yet. Right. Right. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those things where there's like, there's pros and cons, I guess, where, you know, you have the pros where, yeah, now you can have anyone all over the world tune in. But like you said, that attention is not like fully there unless you have like a very engaged interactive session, which I feel like then maybe that's a little bit different. But yeah, no, yes. I, I totally agree. I feel like I'm, I've been looking at screens for so long. I'm like, I can't wait to like meet with someone in person. I actually, I had a meeting the other day with someone in person and it was the first one in so long. And I was like, wow, this is so, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is so nice. Like, <laughs> I really miss this. I really, so you're true. like, hello, how are you? Like touch their arm. I you're know. like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then the next one is that starting a business with your best friend is easy. Mm. I have to say, like for us, the aspect of being best friends and starting a business was pretty easy. I think we recognized pretty early on, like our respective strengths and weaknesses, and we're really able to support one another. And we don't recommend it for everyone. Kristen and I have a very unique experience in that our friendship started just before we started the podcast. And so through building a business, through these conversations on the podcast, we were getting to know each other more and more. And so we didn't have this history with one another that might just color how we might see one another in this business um, sense. So I think we have an advantage in that way. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely... Ne- I wouldn't recommend it for like lifelong best friends to then start a business. I feel like there's so much there, so much history, maybe baggage. We really got this kind of fresh start and our, our friendship has grown and it's been really beautiful. Yeah, it's a lot. You know, we have, Lindsay and I have intertwined our finances, our dreams, our day-to-day work, all of our friends. Um, We have our entire team. We have our office. We have so much. And it's like, you have to really trust that person. You have to really trust yourself and you have to really be honest and communicate. And if you're not willing to put in the work in a relationship to like, be really honest with someone or go to therapy, Lindsay and I both have gone, been going to therapy for the past couple of years so that we can really work through anything that might be coming up and then always come together and be really honest. So it's no joke. It's like all fun and games. It's the best thing ever, but you really have to put in the work. And I think if you are someone that um, isn't willing to compromise or isn't willing to like do your own inner work within the relationship, it probably won't work. So I think it's for like a very 
very specific type of person, but it's been the best thing ever for us. Yeah, that's so true, though, how when you have that lifelong friendship going into a business together, because then, you know, you have to delegate or you'll have to speak up like, hey, I actually don't agree with this or I don't, you know, it's just conversations that you never used to have get brought up and like you don't know the dynamic when you bring that up with someone that you have been friends with for so long. So I definitely agree. I always recommend like not going into business with like a best friend that you've, like you said, that you've known forever, especially if like your only reason wanting to go into it is because you're friends. It's like, mm, that's like a yes. little bit, you can, it can get a little dangerous. So I want to go way back to when you guys first met. So how did you two meet? I know you said you met kind of right before you started this podcast, but what was that introduction like? Yeah. So we met, um, through soul cycle. So we were, I was living in New York city and I was in corporate jobs and I had, um, experience in consulting and sales and account management, all of these things. I was kind of like all over the board. Cause I was really trying to find my purpose. I was like, I really want to find a job that I love. I really want to be on purpose. And so when I found soul cycle, when I moved to Los or when I moved to New York to be with my husband, I was like obsessed. I was like, Oh, this is it community. You get to work out. There's like good music, all this stuff. I was like, I'm going to, you know, become an instructor. So I did everything I could to become an instructor and I auditioned in New York and I didn't end up getting it. And so um, I was going to audition again. And through that process, my husband and I, we moved to Los Angeles where we live now. So I said, you know, I need to get connected with an instructor to help me with my second audition with hopes that I get it. And I got connected with Lindsay and we had a call on the phone and um, she just was so kind and helpful for my audition that I didn't end up getting, but I ended up getting her as a friend and we just became super close right away. I started going to her classes and I had quit my job from New York at that time to pursue blogging full time. So I had flexibility in my schedule and we started to have these really deep, meaningful conversations about your late twenties, like how all your friends are kind of changing. You're supposed to be in your career that you love, your relationships are changing, your body's changing, your money situation's changing. You're learning a lot about yourself and it's a really hard time, but it's also a really beautiful and fun time. And it gets a lot more serious after, you know, your early twenties where you're just kind of like outside of college, just like partying. So we started to be like, you know, we can't be the only ones that feel like a little lost in life and feel like we want to have a spiritual awakening or whatever. So we started to record our conversations on the podcast. And then, you know, six years later, here we are still doing the show. And it really grew from our closet floors um, and just really like honest, being truthful about where we were in life. And now is like, you know, one of the biggest parts of our life. Yeah. And when you met and like started recording this podcast, was it like a instant, like, let's put a mic, like, let's buy a mic, a professional sounding microphone, get this equipment and like start the podcast a week later? Or like, what was the process of like actually starting it? Like, how, did you pre-record episodes? Did you have a script or anything like that? Like, what was that like? When we first started the podcast and we were writing down like what to name the podcast, like all these different options and episode outlines and different segments that we were going to do. And it's just hilarious. But yeah, when we first started, Krista came to me, we were having coffee one day and she's like, do you think we could start a podcast about what we're talking about? Like, I feel like it's been so profound for us just as friends, like we can't be alone. And we, I've always been down to start creative projects. Like my whole life, I'm just always like, yeah, let's try it. I don't know how to do it, but let's try it. So I had a little like $15 uh, voice recorder that I would use for singing. And so I was like, well, we could just use this for now in our closets. I know closets have good acoustics, you know, the, the clothes absorb any, any echo or sound. So I was like, let's just do it in your closet. And we did, we would suffocate. It would be so hot, no oxygen, but we would get episodes done. And um, most of those will never see the light of day, but it was really important that we took that time to just find our groove, hear ourselves on a recording device, get into a rhythm with one another. It's not easy to have a co-host on a podcast in the sense that you might talk over each other. Like the flow could be totally wild and not make sense. But Krista and I not only practice for a long time, but we really were able to, and I think it's because of the nature of our work where we were getting to know each other really well, we were 
we're literally able to communicate like telepathically now. So our interviews flow very, very well. Um, but it took a lot of practice. If you listen to our earlier episodes, I don't recommend, but yeah, you will see just how much progress we've made. And it was because we just started, you know, we didn't wait for it all to be perfect. And I think a lot of people get tripped up because they're like, well, you know, I don't have this done or I I haven't booked this guest yet. So I'm just going to wait until I release, wait to release. And yeah, I think, I think you risk never putting it out there. Oh, that is like one of my biggest pieces of advice, especially with any like YouTube podcast, even starting a business. Like I always tell people, I'm like, you have to just start and you will learn as you go. Like there's never going to be a perfect time. There's never going to be the perfect business plan that you have to write up. Like if you don't start, you're already behind, you know? And I always think like the worst that happens is like you make a few mistakes, but like you learn, like you're never going to learn how to edit perfectly or learn how to make the perfect video unless you start listening to your audience and you start hearing what they have to say. And you, you know, like, that all has to happen with you putting yourself out there first. So I completely agree. I think that's like always something that holds people back. And it's like one of the biggest mistakes that you can make. Yeah. So many people procrastinate and it's a way yes. of like, it's just a fear thing. You know, it's mm-hmm. like an excuse and a fear thing. And so we listened back to our first episode, Lindsay and I, and we sound ridiculous. 100%. Like it is ridiculous how bad our audio is, how bad we sound on the mic. And we didn't really even know we were that bad, but we just did it and we really let it evolve and we really let it grow. And another thing too, was we had full-time jobs for the first couple of years that we were doing the show. So it really enabled us to like, not put the pressure on the podcast. And I think you're like that too, where you love it and it's like something important, but you're not pressuring it to be everything for you out, out the gate. And I think a lot of people too, they pressure it to start making money for them right away. And they're like, how can I get sponsors? How can I, you know, monetize my side hustle or monetize my business? And sometimes that can be detrimental to the art you're creating, to whatever you're creating, because you're making it be something that it might not be. And you're focused really on the wrong thing. Like the thing is really you figuring out, you know, how your show is or how you sound on the show or perfecting your craft, not making money quite yet. And I know it's tempting because I love making money, but it's like, you have to just really let it be what it is. And I think that was another benefit of us having our full-time jobs for the first couple of years. We could really let our show grow in a natural way. Yeah. I'm so impressed that you guys did have your full-time jobs. Cause I know that you guys like went on tour when you had your full-time jobs, like asking for PTO. I'm like, <laughs> that is just really, really cool. And also I feel like nowadays it's not as heard of. I feel like people kind of are quicker to make money now and like quit right away and like start doing it. Cause it's just, I guess more and more people are in the industry than six years ago. So when you started six years ago, were podcasts popular? Were you listening to podcasts or like, what was the landscape like of the industry? Cause I, I'll be honest, I didn't start listening to podcasts till like I started my podcast pretty much like two years ago. So many people are like that and it's probably better because then you're like, it's pure. You're like, I'm just going to make the show that I want to hear. I'm going to do my own thing. But I listened to podcasts for years. I was living in New York City and because I was like, wanted to get out of my corporate job so bad, I was like, how can I learn at work or how can I make sure that I'm making best use of my time? Like on my 45 minute commute to work every day or in the city or walking so much. So I was listening to podcasts, like not even the best shows, just like anything that was available. And it was like Rich Roll, Tim Ferriss, kind of like the OGs. And so I really loved it. Like I loved that it was audio. I love that there was no video. I love that I could do other things while listening and learning. And I felt really connected to these people. So it was like my favorite medium because it felt like the most honest, you know, like Instagram, you can use filters, you can edit, you can kind of like portray or put off that you're something that maybe you're not. But if you listen to someone on a podcast for longer than maybe one or two shows, you can really get a good sense of them. So I felt like it was like the best opportunity for us to be ourselves and be able to connect with people in the most meaningful way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think I, I agree with like how you can really see who a person is by listening to a few episodes because it's also less editing. Like, I don't know about you guys, but it's, I don't, I leave some of the ums and the, you know, the, the pauses or, you know, I, I want people to feel like they're in the room with me and my guests, not like a, like my YouTube videos, for example, I edit them a lot. You know, they're like pretty choppy. I feel like it's like, I'm like 
only getting like the the good parts and like that's what I'm putting in, you know, versus this. It's like I'm I'm leaving in a ton of stuff and I'm I want people to feel like they're in the room, not like it's like a super produced thing. So I, I agree that it's like you really get to know people and you can be yourself. uploaded your first episode did it kind of blow up or like how did you guys grow what was that trajectory like yeah I remember just the feeling of putting out our first episode and it was both really exciting but also nerve-wracking I feel like you know we we didn't know how our friends our family would respond it just felt so vulnerable and just kind of wild at the time, but our growth was really organic. I think, you know, I have to thank friends and family who were listening to the podcast out the gate and told their friends. And, um, I, at the time was working as a soul cycle instructor. And so while I wasn't standing on the podium being like, Hey, I have a podcast, go and listen. Uh, people would kind of see it, whether it was on Instagram or they would ask me about what I was doing outside of soul cycle. And so I would tell them and yeah, I just felt like it grew very gradually, but then like, you know, I think back and I'm like, wow, we, we had our first event like a few months in and it was totally sold out. So like it felt gradual because of all the work that we were putting into it, but it really did grow quite quickly. And in a way that felt like sticky. Like it, it was, it was there for real. It wasn't just this like viral moment. It was like, oh no, like we are creating content and sharing things that women especially are like dying to learn and dying to talk about. And, and we're catching them at this really beautiful, pivotal moment in their lives where you know, they really do want to get to know themselves better. They really do want to find their purpose. They really do, you know, fill in the blank. So it's been, yeah, it's been really, really, really beautiful to see the growth because I know that it's not only just growth in numbers, but it's like increasing in impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you have advice for someone who starts a podcast today? I know that the landscape is totally different, but for someone to kind of create that stickiness, like you said? Yeah, a few things. I think that because we are in a time where so many people are starting podcasts, you really need to put a lot of effort into optimizing your podcast. So it's the things like cover art, making sure your cover art pops, the title is clear and you will catch it when you're scrolling through Apple podcasts. It's about making sure that your episode titles also tell the potential listener what they're going to get. No inside mm -hmm. jokes, no nothing that they're like, what is this going to be about? No, like they know uh, people don't have a lot of time. So they want to scroll, they want to hit it, they want to click it, they want to know and just go. And you want to make sure that your audio quality, I think if unless you're a journalistic type podcast where the audio quality um, isn't as important. It's more about like the, like if you're on a voice recorder or you're on the go, you're on a phone call and it's more journalistic, that's okay. But I think high quality audio is really important because you don't want that piece of your show to deter people from listening because your content could be fire. But if your microphone is humming and staticky, they're out. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of other shows. So just looking at the pieces of your podcast, both, both aesthetically, um, listening to it and, uh, just the continuity, you know, I want to be able to listen on Apple podcasts. If I'm in love with it. Oh, they have an Instagram. I'd love to follow them on Instagram. Ooh, they're, do they have a website? Can I contact them? I would love to, you know what I mean? Right. Just making yeah. sure that you're totally visible. It's, it has continuity and yeah, it, it's hard to stand up these days. So we got to make sure out the gate that you have the best chance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like what you said about the continuity because I think it's you're building a brand. You know, it's not just a podcast. It's a whole brand with your podcast. And so I think it's really important that you're branding it across, you know, all social channels and like your website, like you said, or if you mm -hmm. have a, a TikTok or Instagram, you know, 
anything like that, I think it's important to view it as a brand, not just like a project. Because if you start viewing it as just a project, then it's probably not going to go that far. But if you view it as a brand and a business, even if you're not making money, I think that's like the the mindset that you have to view it in or else you're just going to be one like the rest. A hundred percent. I agree with that. And also I just think too, sometimes like whenever we, so we coach podcasters and it's like, whenever we're coaching them, I think sometimes they get a little ahead of themselves where they're like thinking too much of it, like a business and a brand. And then it's like, they're not actually focused on the actual like creation of the show and content. And sometimes I find that that like stops people where they're like, okay, they have the show and they have like two episodes and they already have the Instagram and they already have all these things. And it's like, create a consistent show that's really, really strong and then like build the rest. And I think it should be thought of as a brand and a business, but also like build it along the way when like it's making sense, but focus on the content first. And I was just going to add that I think our show grew because we were really vulnerable and we would say the things that like not everyone wants to say and not everyone wants to admit and not everyone wants to talk about. And if you want to be different, you really have to be unafraid to be fully yourself and be fully seen. And everyone can listen to a show that's like very basic about, you know, surface level things about health and wellness or spirituality, but we want it to be like a little different. And we are different because we're like really ourselves. And when you are yourself, it gives other people permission. And so if people are who they are, it will really, really show. I especially what you said about giving people permission to be themselves. And I think you guys have done such a great job at that. And you guys have built such a strong community, like your community is huge. They're so loyal. Like it's I feel like your community is one of the strongest in like the podcasting space. And was that an intentional thing? Or did that just kind of happen? Like, did you just all of a sudden start getting people that were, you know, like wanting to be a part of this? Or was that something you kind of went into it thinking like we want to build this? Yeah, I don't think we, we didn't really plan it at the beginning, it sort of like grew around us. But what I realize now, and, and what I think we were doing is like, when you're listening to the show with Lindsay and I, and especially at the beginning episodes, like we were so raw. It's like two girlfriends. So you feel like just like our show now, it's like, you feel like you're listening and you're hanging out with two girlfriends. So it feels communal in that sense where it's like, oh my God, they're saying crazy stuff or they're talking about wild, you know, vulnerable things. It feels like I'm with my friends because with girlfriends, you do that. Like girls share and say the craziest things with one another. So that really just helped us build a community. And then when we started to realize, like when we wanted to do in-person events or things like that, that we had a community, it became like the main focus. And it really is about making people feel less alone. Like our podcast, we want people to feel less alone in their journey. We want them to feel like they're not the only ones that want more out of their life or whatever. So now it's really like the focus. But for anyone that wants to build a community around your show, you just really have to like bring them in however you can. So read reviews or read comments or speak to them like they are your friends be yourself, engage with them in social media on in DMs or on other ways. But I will say it's a lot like in service of a community is like Mm -hmm. another job. So like you have to be ready to like really take that on. Totally. I feel like the whole engaging with people is like a whole other job. Like Mm -hmm. like it's so it's so hard. I not even hard, but time consuming, you know, and you don't want to like half ass it where you're like just responding like thanks to everyone. And like, that's it. You want to be intentional and you want to actually listen and, you know, take your time crafting a response. But then if there's so many people, then it's hard to do. So you guys do a really great job at managing that. And I feel like a good way to do that is with those like digital events and in-person events that you guys have been hosting. How do you like plan those? How did you come up with that idea? I know you said your first one was sold out even when you had like a few months after you uploaded your first episode. So was that something that you're like, we've, you've always wanted to do? Or like, why did you do those? I guess, like, what was that process like of creating those events? Yeah, the I mean, Krista had experience creating events um, in her previous job. So I think she can speak to that a little bit more. But I think just in general, part of why they were so successful was because Krista and I were willing to get our hands dirty in every part of the process, you know? So we would be setting up chairs. We would be like doing anything and everything. And it definitely wasn't easy at times, but every single time after an event, like all of that would just dissipate. All of that like frustration or, or whatever would dissipate. Cause you're like, wow, like 
that's why we do this. Like when you connect with women in that way and just look them in the eyes and just have these really heartfelt conversations and yeah, you just understand your why. Um, but we were just willing to do whatever it took, you know, like no part of the process was below us. You know, we were just like, okay, let's make this happen. And I think it also was felt, I think like, whether it was like, we might've had one person on our team. So whether it was like them feeling that, wow, Lindsay and Krista are like in it, like that thing is below them. They, they Mm -hmm. got this was inspiring to them, which inspired us. And then also like sometimes our, our community would see us like setting up. (laughs) We didn't mean for them to, but it was like kind of this cool thing where they're like, wow, like they mean this. This is not just for aesthetics. Like they Mm -hmm. really want to create a space for us to come together. Yeah. And how many people were at your first one? I feel like our soul sick. Oh, oh, Krista, I think it was in a backyard, right? Yeah, it was in our friend's backyard in Manhattan. So guys, these are not like stadiums. Like these are not yeah. stadiums that are like Almost. hundreds, probably 40, <laughs> probably 40, uh, maybe 50. And then the soul cycle red was like 60. So it was nothing crazy, but yeah, we still did it. And I think that's the thing is like getting over the fear of like, will anyone show up? Will anyone be there? It's like, all that matters is that you do it. Right, right. And I think it's so special, like seeing people that listen to you and like putting a face to the name because like podcasting, I've felt is very one sided and it's hard to make like engaging because they can't even comment on your stuff. You know, they have to leave a review on your podcast, but it's not like they can comment on a specific episode or like, you know, you can't even respond to those reviews. You have to. It's all just one sided conversations, I feel like, unless you take it somewhere else, you know, unless you take it on another social media platform or you do these events. So I think it's always good to be intentional with like podcasting with the people that are your listeners, because you have to find a way to engage with them or else they're not going to be your listeners for much longer, you know, because no one wants to have a one-sided conversation. Like no one wants to just talk and like not be heard. So I think that that's like really cool that you guys have done those and like been able to engage with your community. Yeah. And we, you know, we engage with them. We have a membership that we really engage with them and then DMs. But I would also say that like, I love podcasting in a sense because it is one-sided a little bit. Like I feel liberated because of that. Because if we think about how much of our life is like two-sided, it's like our jobs, our relationships, our business, our Instagram. It's like, we're all looking at our Instagram or YouTube and it's like, what are the metrics? Like what's the give and receive and to do an art or to do something where it's like, you can just create and put it out there feels so liberating for me. Like I like to just kind of create and then not have to worry about what everyone's thinking or what everyone's doing. And, you know, I blogged for a while and I really like focused on blogging and Instagram and I loved it, but like there was that part where it was like, so in conversation that I feel like I didn't create what I wanted to create because I was so focused on what everyone wanted to see. So it is nice to have a medium where it's not like you get immediate feedback and you feel more confident. I feel like I felt more confident in my voice because of that. Yeah. I actually never thought of it that way, but that is really true. Cause I feel like also with, with YouTube, for example, if I'm vlogging, Mm -hmm. I like second guess everything I'm saying because I'm like, wait, is someone going to take this the wrong way? Or is someone, you know, like during the editing process, I'm like making sure things are like good to upload and like put out because people can comment on it right away and they can say something. And then when one person sees one comment and then they're like, oh, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I agree. And then it's like a snowball of, you know, whatever it is. And, and I feel like podcasting does have that feeling where it's like, okay, you're actually free to say whatever you want. And like, you can literally go off on a tangent, you can speak your mind and you don't have that immediate feedback. Someone's going to have to go out of their way and go on like Instagram to let you know how they feel, which stops probably a lot of people. 100%. That's the thing. And it's like, so it's liberating because I feel like we get so much feedback. Like if you do YouTube or Instagram on stories, or I feel like we're just in a constant state of receiving so much feedback. So sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I just want to speak and not have to worry about what anyone thinks because they're going to tell me because people, you know, I mean, you know, too, like with the podcast, they'll tell you if they feel something for sure. But to have like a little bit of space between your creation and people's opinions is like liberating. 
And I wanted to actually touch on your spiritual journey also, because I know you guys talk a lot about that on your podcast and I think that's also what people are really drawn to. So have you guys always been spiritual or what has that looked like for you? I think we're all, not to be corny, but we're all spiritual in our own ways. And life is a spiritual experience, whether you like it or not, and whether you're engaging with it or not. Um, and I was always someone that was like wanting more. I was a questioner. I was like, you know, writing letters to aliens when I was little. And I was just deeply yearning for like purpose in life and yearning to feel like I was here for a reason. So I was always pretty spiritual. I grew up Catholic. So that kind of brought me away from spirituality because I was like, oh, if this is spirituality, I don't want it. You know, I don't want to be at church. I don't want to be kind of feeling this way. So I lost it a little bit. And then I really found it again and, and got really deep in my spiritual journey in when I graduated college, when I lived in Chicago. So I was living in Chicago for a little bit. I started to meditate. I started to do yoga and I started to read these spiritual texts. And I think that was like the real opening period, meditation being the most important thing. Um, but going on a spiritual path, I think all roads lead to it. It's like body issues lead to spirituality, family issues lead to spirituality, health issues lead to spirituality. So it's only a matter of time. And that's really the goal in life is to get to that point where spirituality is sort of a way of being. Um, but it's the best. Like it makes life fun. It makes life interesting. And it really gives you like a reason to be here. Totally agree. I feel like it's whether you like it or not, like that's yes. perfectly said is it, it is spiritual. <laughs> like there's, you can't like live your life and like not be a spiritual being, I think. A hundred percent. Or you're like a robot, you know, it's like, like that's what humans are spiritual. We naturally have spirit. We naturally have this like sense and even if people are like, oh, I walked into the room and it was bad vibes. It's like, that's spiritual. Like there's an energy there that's like telling you to not go in that room or telling you something's off. Like you feeling sad is a spiritual experience because you're like, your soul is telling you that something is off and you need to listen. I think there is spirituality in everything. It's just maybe not said as spirituality, but we're all having this like weird, wild journey of life that, you know, could become really meaningful if we really put intention behind it. Yeah, totally agree. And it's something that I feel like spirituality gets like a bad rep sometimes. It's like, oh, like, that's weird, or that's like crazy. But I think now, as also time has gone on, it's become more accepting. And if people are questioning it more out loud, like before, it's like, if you were questioning it, you didn't really like want to say anything. But <laughs> now it's like people are so much more open to discussing it. And is that something that you guys felt like you guys didn't have podcasts that you listened to that talked about it? And that's why you kind of wanted to also create almost 30 or like, how was that? Like, why did you guys begin speaking about that on your podcast? Yeah, it's definitely been an evolution. You know, we started off in the podcast talking a lot about health and wellness and just kind of like everyday life stuff. And, um, I think in the last, I would say like two years, we really leaned into, talking about spirituality on the podcast in every sense of the word. And I think, you know, we're, so, we were so lucky. I'm in New York now, Chris is in LA, but we were both in LA for a long time. And LA is a place that really supports and fosters just this exploration of your spirituality. Go to a meditation and then a women's circle and then have like a plant-based dinner and do like a drum circle under the moon, right? Like that's normal um, and beautiful. And I think like that just really gave me at least permission to explore these practices and learn more about myself and learn more about just how connected and intuitive we really all are. And, you know, I think back often, and I'm sure a lot of people in your audience have this experience. It's like as kids, you know we cry or we have these feelings and our parents are like, don't, no, no, don't do that. It's okay. How can I make it better? Like, let me get the bandaid or let me get the blanket or let me do this, which is obviously well-intentioned, but we're really not taught to like connect with those feelings and see what's there for us. You know, mm -hmm. we're slowly being pulled away from what is our like inner knowing and inner guidance. And so for me, it's been this walk back to that and really understanding like those feelings in my body, those feelings in my heart, you know, and noticing when the mind tries to come in and convince me otherwise and 
Sorry, that went off on a little tangent. No, but. I love it. I, lo- <laughs> I totally understand. And I think that that's something also that I never even thought about was like, you know, how when you are a kid, you're kind of told to like, rep- not repress your emotions, but like always cover them up or like everything's okay, everything's fine. And like, I feel like that's why, honestly, I'm so happy that therapy has become so much more normalized and so much more like accessible. And because I feel like people don't process their emotions the way that they should and they don't know how to because they just never had to. So I think that it's definitely something good that people are talking about and being more open about. And it's only going to help more people in the future, I think. And do you have any routines or like wellness things that you do in your day to day, like any morning routine that you find sacred or like anything that you do maybe in the middle of the day to de-stress? Love this one. Yeah, I do. So my morning routine has kind of been the same for a while, but I have been getting up without an alarm lately, which is like a joy and a delight. And I feel grateful that I live a life that I don't have to wake up through an alarm. And then I will wake up, I'll do chlorophyll water from Saqqara, which is like helps oxygenate your blood and helps just really get things going. Um, I'll tongue scrape, which is Ayurvedic. And it's really to remove any germs or debris on your tongue. And it helps reset your taste buds um, so that you can taste your food in a more beautiful way. And then I will um, do a journal and I'll write down my five gratitudes that I'm like really grateful. And I'll try and be creative with those and like get really descriptive. I'll write down my goals for the day. You know, I read was reading this book about goal setting and that, you know, most people can't really um, conceptualize doing more than nine goals in a day. So just writing down nine goals for the day and not going anymore. Don't make it really overwhelming. I'll write down my dreams from the night before. My dreams are like, I love writing dreams. I love dreams and remembering them helps you have more vivid dreams. Um, And then I'll write down just any other thoughts or feelings I'm having. Like, how am I feeling today? Um, after that, I'll do a little reading. I have a few books that I'll just like read pages from for inspiration. I might pull a card or two and then I'll meditate. And then um, meditation, if I need in the middle of the day or at the end of the day, I'll just come back to and maybe get down and sit for like five minutes and just breathe and kind of come back to presence always really helps me reset. So meditation has been huge for me. Once you meditate for years and years, it's helpful because you can almost like calm yourself down or just like bring yourself back to a normal like baseline stress level much easier and quicker once you have meditation. But I think routines and rituals are so important. It's like, you know, the foundation for our lives and really helps us like recenter after life Mm -hmm. is so crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I think the morning routine, we hear about it a lot, but its importance is just very profound. I think we're so impressionable in the mornings. And so to be able to tend to the various parts of us that need the most attention and love and expression, I think just will be felt throughout the rest of the day. So for me, I just moved to New York and it's been important to have like a grounding practice because I'm in a in a completely new place. So when I get up in the morning, I usually, the sun is bright as hell in my room. So I get up like at like 6.30 and it is glaring. And I actually just sit in the sun for a few minutes because I'm like, all right, if it's shining in my room, it must be for a reason. And so I just take it in and, and somewhat meditate for about five minutes. I don't go into my deep meditation then. Um, And then I've set up like my little loop station and I'll just kind of like riff for like 30 minutes and just kind of sing first thing in the morning, which is not something I would normally do, but um, it's really a little bit louder than if I inserted this in the middle of my day or at night or something like that. So it's been really nice. And then I'll just go on a walk um, being outside just not really listening to anything is my preference. Um, sometimes I'll be in a mood to listen to something, but I just kind of like to like explore the neighborhood and go by the water and just, you know, be with my thoughts, I'll grab my coffee. And then when I get back, I'll usually work out. Um, movement's so important. I've, I've felt like an excess of energy. And if anyone's been feeling that with just like things going on in the world or in your personal life, like ecstatic dance, so turning on some of your favorite jams and just like, rip roaring and moving around and not worrying about what it looks like just feels really, really good on the nervous system. 
and yeah, just like starting the day with like nourishment for the body. I feel like everyone can relate to maybe starting the day with something that doesn't make you feel good. And then you just keep making those choices because whatever, you know, it's like at that point, like whatever, but starting the day with, you know, whether it's an athletic greens or green juice or, and coffee, bunch of water, it's just makes me feel my best. Yeah. I love my morning routines. I feel like mornings for me are so sacred and like, I do not want them to get interrupted. I will not schedule anything in the morning. I like waking up at a certain time and going through my routine every single day. Like for me, if I don't have that, my entire day is thrown off. I get stressed so much easier. I, you know, I'm like, I don't know. I'm just not myself. I feel like I can't get anything done. So I definitely am a big believer in having a morning routine. I feel like it just sets you up and has like, it's such a good foundation for the rest of your day. So I'm going to start implementing, I need to start implementing more, you know, like meditation and uh, going on a walk in the morning because sometimes I still feel rushed and I hate feeling rushed. So I want to calm myself down in the mornings. I wake up around like 7.30, 7 a.m. I really like waking up with the sun. So I'll like sleep with my blinds open and like wake up as like the sun is coming up or like once it's kind of already in my room. And then I actually go work out like first thing in the morning. So I'll just like put gym clothes on and work out. And then I drink a green juice. I journal after that. And then I'll have my coffee in the morning. And like, I like drinking my coffee without doing anything. Like I'll have a second cup of coffee, like while I'm working, but like in the morning, I'd like just like sitting, I'll sit on like my patio, drink my cup of coffee. And then I don't touch my phone in the morning until I like start working. Cause I, I, after not using my phone in the mornings, I like cannot touch it in the morning or else I get so stressed. Like I'm not answering any texts. I'm not going on social media. I'm not reading the news. Like it can wait until my day starts, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's been my morning routine. But I used to meditate with the Calm app and I kind of just have not done it in a while. So I need to get back into doing that. Yeah, it gives your brain like a little brain break. It gives like a bath. But yeah, it's like, it's so weird with the phone. It's like, once you like tap it, it's like a portal. It's like, it's like, yo, it's off. Like we're, we're done. Like we had a great time this morning, but like this is done. And now we're like full on work. And God, I mean, I think about people that, and I'm not even, this isn't like shameful, but it's like people that literally wake up and look at their phone and some people can do it. This is the thing is like a lot of people can do it and be like, Oh, I'm fine. I'm cool. Like I can manage it. I cannot like I, if I'm like, cause then I'm like, Oh my God, so many, you have to reply, you know, it's just so much. So phone hygiene and only being on my phone for, you know, just during the day, I usually stop on my phone at like seven so that I can have a break at the end of the day too, or else I'm just like done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got to start to not use it at night because I still use it at night. So I need to, need to stop that. I've, I've gotten the morning yeah. locked. Like I don't use it then, but I got to stop using it at night. <laughs> that is like, that's like the dream. Cause at night it's just I just have been lately. I'm like, I think I've been on it too much. Cause it's like now kind of grossing me out. You know how you get like grossed out at a point you're like, Oh, this is yeah. not feeling like that. So I was thinking, I'm like, I kind of want to do like a break. I need like a day or two off. Yeah. But before we go, I wanted to ask what are some things that you are feeling grateful for this week? Mm, I love this. Let's see. I'm feeling grateful for, I just have, I have really amazing friends and I feel like deeply supported and seen by my friendships. And it wasn't always that way. I think in my twenties, I was like kind of growing in and out of friendships and figuring it out and everyone's changing. And so to have really meaningful, loving relationships with people is like a dream. Um, And then I feel grateful that I can eat food that's healthy and nourishing, you know, like in LA, we have access to really in Miami too, we have access to really healthy, nourishing, vibrant food. And I just feel so lucky that like, the food that I eat gets to be really good for me and taste amazing. Mm -hmm. I love that. I'm grateful to feel like settled in my new home feel like I can really relax and be creative and yeah, just feel safe and also proud. You know, it's like anytime you transition, um, move wise, I know, did you just buy a home recently? I bought a home to flip it. So I'm not living in it. And then I just moved into this apartment. So baller. Baller. That's very adult. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, it definitely feels like I'm like, I'm like, 
I don't feel like an adult, but I feel like I'm doing adult things. Like, <laughs> whoa, flipping houses is like, whoa. <laughs> so, I, I mean, you know, it's kind of like even flipping a house, it's like creating a space that just feels, yeah, like, like supportive for everything. Um, and just feeling like really proud of that. And then I'm grateful. Yeah. Same with just friendships and new friendships being in a new place. I'm, you know, the introvert in me is like really being pushed to like get together with people and like meet new people. And it feels really, really good. Um, and grateful for summer. I don't know. I'm in a very like summer <laughs> vibe. <laughs> I like it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say the vibe is good. The vibe is good in New York in yes. the summer. Oh yeah. But then it's weird in New York. Like I, I lived in New York for a little bit too, but it was weird because like everyone left in the summer. That's what I didn't understand. I was like, so in the winter, we're miserable because of the weather. But then in the summer, we want to leave every weekend. I'm like, what's the deal? I know that is actually really true. I don't know why people leave all the time. I, I mean, it gets hot there, but like, I just love how everyone's like outside. Everyone's happier. Everyone's like going out. It's just, it's a very good vibe. And you can walk around, like you walk everywhere. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, Thank you guys so much for coming on my podcast. I loved this episode. I loved chatting with you and hearing about your podcast journey and your also a little bit about your spiritual journey. So where can they find Almost 30 Podcasts and where can they find you too? Yeah, so Almost 30, just wherever they listen to podcasts on Apple, Spotify, anywhere, almost30.com. You can sign up for camp and everything like that. And then um, my Instagram is it's Krista, I-T-S-K-R-I-S-T-A, it's Krista. And I'm at Lindsay Simcic, S-I-M-C-I-K. Awesome. Well, thank you guys again for coming on. Amazing. Thank you for having us, Natalie. So much fun. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed. And don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey, my name is Lovan Roomf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here. And vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.